From Neon Hum, this is Dirt Cheap. I'm Jeffrey Golden. And I'm Amanda Meadows. And we're reading Murder in the Glass Room by Edwin Rolfe and Lester Fuller. We have special guests with us uh, today. We do. These are some incredible guests, uh, dear friends and hilarious people and co-hosts of uh, The Bechdel Cast, a movie podcast uh, in which they intersectionally feministicize <laughs> uh, a lot of the great Flubber movies. Flubber and- to Spice World. Spice World. Uh, Jamie Loftus and Caitlin Durante. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Hello. It's so good to see you. It's great to see you both. All right, folks, uh, let's dive into our mystery. So uh, here's where we are. Uh, Phil Norris is running around Los Angeles in the mid-40s Uh, trying to figure out who Edna's killer is. So uh, after uh, about half a book's worth of stumbling and bumbling and almost getting caught several times and not really making any progress. Including an entire police chase. (laughs) Including. At the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, he also gets beaten up by Mm. goons. He gets beaten up by goons at one point. He's finally met somebody, a real uh, genuine potential witness here who could really help him. So this is, we've been waiting a long time for him to do something right. And he finally did. Um, He's finally met someone named Muriel who is in Edna's appointment book. And this is a person that he really feels like Mm. can uh, take this case to the next level. Now, uh, let's dive in to chapter 12 of Murder in the Glass Room. Yes. Muriel's home was a couple of small rooms in a tiny wooden structure that looked as if it had once been a garage before they put up the partitions and installed the plumbing. The first room was a kitchen, with just enough space to squeeze through sideways. The second room was bigger, a sort of combination living room and bedroom. There was an inner spring mattress affair over against the wall, a dressing table made entirely of mirror glass, and a couple of small chairs covered in faded and rumpled chintz. <laughs> Phil, Phil is describing a studio apartment. Yeah. yeah, he's describing a studio apartment. So uh, you, we are immediately introducing our guests into the biggest ongoing theme of this book, which is furniture. Uh, <laughs> Phil loves his descriptions of rooms. Yes, okay. in the way that he doesn't do with, like, people. <laughs> yeah, he does not talk about people with this intensity. I was about to say, it seems like something you would no. want to do for yeah. characters. <laughs> right. See, that would be the opposite of what these two entire authors did together <laughs> with each other's help. Let me ask you a question. Cool. Has, at any point cool. in the story so far, any of these descriptions of, like, rooms or furniture, have they ever, like, been in important narratively have they ever like paid off in any way or like was it there for a reason are we like experiencing like Chekhov's couch or anything like that or no I mean it's 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 important for this podcast because we've talked about it several <laughs> times correct there in that sense it's provided an important B story throughout the <laughs> podcast but no narratively speaking uh I don't think it's provided uh, us with anything really it's no. he just loves his horse painting 
And, and he loves this one elevator that's golden <laughs> chromium. Yeah. Uh, golden chromium. Yeah, Gold so nice. and chromium <laughs> together. You wait here a minute, Muriel said. I'll be right back. She went through another door, and soon I heard the sound of running water. I walked over to the dressing table. Lying open on it was a manicure set. The exact same one as Edna's. The same buffer, the same scissors, the same cuticle cutter with the same fake pearl handle and the same long steel blade and the same sharp scimitar cutting edge. Uh, I should note that Edna was killed with the cuticle cutter. Oh, oh. that's another, I feel like... Uh trend caitlin i'm trying to think of like a movie that this happens in but like when a woman is murdered it's by like a very like classically feminine Mm, object (laughs) of so she's killed with okay okay with a cuticle cutter that's brutal also yeah Yeah. muriel emerged from the bathroom dressed in a long shaggy chanel robe she'd made some attempt to comb her hair she walked past me and disappeared into the kitchen. Then she was back with a big bottle under her arm and two water tumblers. She set them down on the table next to the bed, then primly sat down on the mattress, carefully pulling the robe over her bare legs. She half filled her glass and then edged the bottle over to mine. I stopped her. I'll do it, I said, taking the bottle from her hand. All right, she said, do it your own way. She put her feet up on the bed and with two cushions propped herself against the wall. You're cute, she said. Then she took a long swallow that drained her glass. As she leaned over the table to pour herself another, her robe fell away from her breast and I saw she had nothing on under it. And a high five. (laughs) Yeah, sex stuff. Horny alert. (laughs) She caught my look. You one of those hurry up ones? She asked. No, I, <laughs> hurry up one. You one of those that hurry is up in ones. My, yeah, that is one my of profile, her- my dating profile. I say no widowers, but I want a, one of the hurry up ones. One of those hurry up ones. You one of those hurry up ones? She asked. No, I've got plenty of time. Good. I hate jackrabbits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, thank, I guess you can't blow past that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, give that one a pass. (laughs) Just imagining a scrawny white man who has not showered in days. Just Just like a bunch of... Just machine gunning it. (laughs) He's got like weird teeth. He's got like a weird overbite. He's got like two buck teeth. And he's just click, 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 click as he starts those things. At the same time, however, I noticed that she was starting a strip tease with her legs. The conversation piddled out into silence. I couldn't keep my eyes off the cuticle cutter on the dressing table, yet I knew that I should take it easy, not rush it. She kept drinking the whiskey as if it were chocolate soda. Chocolate soda? Gross. Is that a thing? That's nasty. Yeah, it is a thing. Yeah, it's oh. still a thing. I mean, you get you get it at a at a, like an old deli. Oh. It tastes exactly like you would think it would taste, and it's not bad. Okay. Yeah, it's like Hershey's chocolate syrup, but <laughs> <Okay>. carbonated. <laughs> you live here alone. All alone. You married? No. Tried it once. No good. Divorced? No. Just kicked him out. 
Where is he now? Don't worry, she laughed. <laughs> Somewhere in the Pacific. Army? Nope. Navy? Nope. Then what's he doing in the Pacific? She doubled over with laughter. <laughs> Feeding the fishes, she said between gasps of laughter. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Sus. There's a very lot of sus. characters who say suspicious things because we are to believe that they are suspects mm-hmm. in this murder. So they'll just be like, <laughs> they'll just be like, oh, that lady, she should have been killed by me. I didn't do it, but I would have done it if I did, which I did. But just to be clear, that's how I feel. I wanted to real bad. But I wanted to. <laughs> He's dead. Sunk, drowned, kaput, finished, don't you worry. I wouldn't think of it. She poured another half tumbler into her glass. Fill your own, she said. I showed her my drink. Not finished yet. She considered this fact carefully, as if it had profound meaning. Then she looked up at my face, and worry came into her eyes. I know you, she said. I froze. You do? Yep, I've seen you before. Where? Someplace. She stared hard at me. Nope, she said firmly. I can't remember. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was worth the journey, 100%. (laughs) Yeah, it could very well have been uh, the photo of Phil Norris that ran on like the front page of some newspaper like yeah. a couple days previous. Yeah, it's his face has been all over the newspaper, <laughs> so that's definitely how she knows him. She tossed off her drink and held out her glass for more. I filled it for her. You come here, she said, patting the bed. You come over here. I sat down next to her while she finished her drink again and put the glass down, almost missing the edge of the table. Then her hands went to my neck and she tugged at the knot of my tie. I grabbed her hands and pushed them away from me. Who's the rabbit now? I asked. She started that laugh of hers, but it ended with choking. Tears filled her eyes. Another drink, she demanded. I pretended to hold the bottle up to the light. No more here, I said. I didn't want her to pass out on me. Never mind, she said, her voice getting thicker. Plenty more where that came from. Plenty more. Wait, she's already drunk. She's already drunk, and then she's also <laughs> still had three or four drinks over the span of the short amount of time Phil has been in her uh, very sufficiently described studio apartment by the authors. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the most lavishly described studio apartment in the history of literature. <laughs> the, and they've been drinking grain alcohol, to be fair. So it would, it, it yeah, would take fair. its toll, yeah. She tried to struggle up into a sitting position, but couldn't quite make it. You get it, she said. It's in the kitchen. You've had enough. Who says so, she growled. I said so. Who are you? She looked straight at me. What'd you come here for? What for? Stop kidding, Muriel, I said. You know what for. Who told you my name was Muriel? You did. I did not, she almost spat out. Who told you? You did. Liar, she snarled. 
dirty, rotten, stinking liar. I want a drink. She held her glass out, and I took her hand in mine to steady it, and then poured more of the stuff. When I let her go, her hand snapped the glass back towards her face, spilling some of the whiskey. It dribbled down her chin. She didn't wipe it off, but held the glass to her lips until she had emptied it. Her head rolled back against the pillow, and sudden, unexpected tears rolled down her face. I'm all alone now, she cried, all alone. Nobody at all, I asked. Nobody. I took a deep breath. What about Edna? Especially Edna, she sobbed. Not even Edna anymore. What happened to Edna? Gone, she said. Gone. Moved away? Dead. We were kids together. Grew up together. Got our first jobs together. Worked in the same place. Same beauty parlor. That was shock number one. All my life, she was saying. Grew up together. Went to school together. Quit school together. Edna was my best friend. Knew her since we were both kids. Practically babies, both of us. Her and her old man. Lived here together all the time. Born here, both of us. Like me. By listening carefully, I managed to get everything she was saying. The sobs kept interrupting and drowning out what she said, but she was so incoherent. She repeated things so often that it came out almost as if it were a continuous story. Her tears were making a wet circle on the pillow. God, I wonder if it, her <laughs> extreme grief is annoying it's him super at all. Is. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> really inconvenient. <laughs> she was like, a whiny baby who I hated hearing her speak. <laughs> really seems like she should get over it. You're like, okay, sir, relax. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're talking about his wife. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm like, wouldn't this be stirring up emotion in him? Provided he didn't we we still believe it's possible that this is a fight club situation where he he actually did kill her and just didn't yeah, realize we, it. We have not ruled that out. We yet. haven't ruled it out. It's they're all that would the... be kind of a fun twist. She lived there alone in the shack with her old man. No woman in the house. That's what's wrong. No woman in the house ever. What about Edna's mother? Died. Died long ago. Never knew her. Died when Edna was very young. Practically a baby, just like mine. My own mother, except mine ran away. I also want to point out what's interesting here is that uh, Phil was married to Edna. And so he doesn't know any of this. Yeah, he right. doesn't know any of this. Right. Surely Edna would have told him that her mother was dead, like, if they were married. One would hope. Yeah, you would think that would come up at least a few times before they got also, married. Also, wouldn't he know who his wife's friends are? Like, wouldn't he know Mariel, in theory? Hold that thought. Yes. Put a pin in that, because that is an interesting point. Got it. We'll be right back. Again, the sobs gathered one huge flood. I tried to soothe her back into speech. After a while, she began again. 
then Edna ran away. First time. Left me all alone. Years ago now. After we chucked the beauty parlor. Started to work in the dance hall. Both of us. Stuck together. And then she ran away. We worked in the same dance hall. That's where she met him. Big handsome guy like you. Only blonde hair. Can't remember his name anymore. He, he, he took her out of there. Out of the dance hall. Went away with her. Took her someplace in Idaho. Something valley or other. Sun Valley. That's it. Sun Valley. Ritzy place. She kept writing me all the time. Told me about it. Heard from her all the time. Postcards, letters, all the time. Suddenly, I remembered what Edna's face had looked like that night. She called me a gutter mongrel. I remembered it clearly, very clearly. She had cut into me that night more than she ever had before. But I knew now what I hadn't even guessed then, that those words had ripped into her too, like a two-pronged knife. She'd been digging into herself as well. Then she bust up with the guy, I heard Muriel saying. But he paid her off, paid her off plenty, five grand. She told me when she came back, she gave me half too, 2,500 fish. He had to give it to her or she'd have made his life miserable. He had a wife. That was another shock, not the squeeze. Not the five G's, I could believe that 100%. But the divvying up, the giving away half, that was as understandable as FDR kissing Hitler on both cheeks. This is a classic feel slam. <laughs> yeah, he is saying that he can't believe his ex-wife would be generous with her own best friend like because uh their relationship know her very well no clearly not right then she got married to this italian count muriel was saying very fancy very fancy indeed did you get more i asked god i need a drink she wailed i need another drink i didn't want to do it but i had to keep her on the main track so I got another bottle from the kitchen and refilled her glass. Then she married this last guy, she gasped. Who? This Norris, Phil Norris. He didn't have dough, not like the others. They rolled in it. Christ knows why she married him. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, it's pretty Whew. funny. I love it. I mean, honestly, I mean, it sounds like well deserved. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he deserves that sting. That's yeah. hilarious. But <laughs> I, just, a- I just worry that she's now in danger <laughs> because yeah. I think he killed his wife. Christ knows why she married him. Did you see her much? See her? You're a real comic, Mister. Sure, I saw her. But I wasn't good enough for her house. Just stores and restaurants. And she made out like I was her colored maid. Yeah, you know. Today you would say uh, that's the the quiet part said out loud. But, you know, back then was just. Why would it it be quiet? It was literally just like on signs. (laughs) (laughs) What everyone said all the time. Right. (laughs) 
Not that long ago. Nope. People from this era still living. <laughs> Absolutely. They're voting, ah! folks. Yes. <laughs> yes. She gave you money. Chicken crut she gave me. That's what it was. Chicken crut. Chicken crut. <laughs> Chicken crut. Also a delicious restaurant, by the way. <laughs> Welcome to Chicken Crut. <laughs> We've got it all. <laughs> the cruddiest parts of the chicken. <laughs> she kept promising me, but she didn't. Never did. Just like the other promise. What other promise? None of your business, she snapped. Then her head rolled back against the cushions. Her eyes were half closed. I want a drink, she moaned. I want a drink. She turned over on her side and reached for the bottle on her bedside table, but she couldn't quite make it, and her fumbling fingers knocked the bottle over. The whiskey ran down over the edge, staining the floor. Her face was white, and spittle rolled down from the corner of her mouth. Her breathing was deep but irregular. I thought I had it. I thought I knew why Edna was killed. Muriel had as much as told me. She pasted it on my nose, but I had to get it out of her. I had to get her to do something that pinned it on her. This really escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't he, know. Is sh- he is certain. He is it's way, he, he jumps he jumps to the so quickly. Yeah, he's like, is, well, as we all know, women are all jealous of each other, no matter <laughs> how logical the situation is. <laughs> and that jealousy will drive them to murder. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I don't know. If I was a betting man, I, I don't think I'd bet too much on this. But Yeah, I think uh, this is just gonna be like <laughs> the, there'll probably be three more of these before the end. <laughs> Every chapter, a Just new this, like fake out after fake out. <laughs> right, it's like there's all these red herrings, but it's like they're not red herrings that the audience would believe would be the red herring. It's just him being like, well, I have the tiniest sliver of a motivation, so therefore guilty. Right, like <laughs> like red herrings need to at least be vaguely convincing. Right, <laughs> right. I, I agreed, and also like. A mystery story is not going to be satisfying to an audience if this character, if the murder is introduced more than halfway through the book. Right. Like, you're going to be like, oh, that person you just introduced is the murderer? I couldn't have solved that, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not, be- I'm, yeah, I'm not betting a lot on Muriel, but. Uh, <laughs> Still worried for her. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Oh, uh. I just want to say uh, there is a domestic violence coming up. And uh, if you do not want to hear that, you should skip ahead. But I had to get it out of her. I had to get her to do something that pinned it on her. I leaned over and began to shake her. Wake up, I said. Wake up, I began to shout. But she just lay there like a bag of cement, breathing heavily and making groaning noises with her mouth. I slept her face with everything I had. Do you hear me? I shouted. Why is he slapping her? There this is This is what he does. This is I I know I know you set us up for this, but I'm still so mad at him. Oh yeah. <laughs> Welcome to uh my my last uh, several weeks. Well, I think someone should murder Phil. 
<laughs> Why hasn't anyone murdered Phil yet? There, there were so many opportunities. There have been a lot of opportunities for people to murder Phil. He seems like he would be very, just based on how he seems, he seems like he would be very easy to kill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> her face twitched where I'd hit her. I know who killed Edna, I said very slowly and clearly. I'm going to tell the cops in the morning. For a second, I thought I saw the overhead light glint on her eyeball. She groaned and turned over on her back. Did you hear me? I yelled. I know who killed Edna. I pushed back her lids. The eyeballs were glazed over. I let her go. Her mouth fell open and she snored. I stood next to the bed, watching her, and wondering what to do next. There was nothing to do, unless I could get her out of it. I tried. Slapping her hadn't done any good. Well, he does nothing but shaking and slapping. Well, well, get ready. He does do something else right here. Slapping her hadn't done any good. So I pushed her until she completely rolled over against the wall. Her head fell off the pillow, and I heard the crack as it hit the plaster. (gasps) What the fuck? (laughs) Very, very much. Yeah, he is beating up a, you know, a nice drunk woman. She is What is he even trying to accomplish here? He's trying to get her to confess to Edna's murder. This is a very bad plan. He is... Accidentally murdering someone in the process of trying to get murder information from her. It's yeah. honestly shocking he hasn't done this already, oh but this is so horrible. Good point. Her left arm was crushed under her, and her nose was pushed into the wall. If she'd been conscious, the position alone would have forced her to move, but it didn't. I gave up and let her fall back on the mattress. Every cell in my body ached with weariness. The bed looked good to me. There was plenty of room beside her, so I stretched out. Before turning off the light, I looked at my watch. It was almost midnight. What is the goal here? I I don't know. It's just like a list of creepy violent things. (laughs) I like... I like came into her home under false pretenses. I pushed her around when she was drunk, hurt her probably, and then I decided to sleep next to her for the night. (laughs) Super cool. Really cool. Before turning off the light, I looked at my watch. It was almost midnight. For a while, I lay on my back, my hands under my head, staring up at the ceiling. Then I began to get drowsy. So I turned over on my side and reversed the pillow so that my face wouldn't rest against the spot where her head had been. I wouldn't let myself sleep. Every time I felt myself dozing, I fought it off. I couldn't fall asleep, not with so much to find out. I couldn't fall asleep in the same house, in the same bed, with a killer. Wait, did he just get into bed? I just lay there, does he know that he's going to be with a killer every single night until he dies now? Because he killed her. <laughs> yes, this oh is the fight club. God. This is where he's going to go back. He's going to go back and he's going to realize, oh, wait a minute. The, the person in Muriel's bed I was uncomfortable with was myself. Oh. 
I just lay there, waiting. After a long time, I heard her groan. She was coming too, but I didn't turn around. I didn't move a muscle. The groans changed to sighs, long, hissing sighs, and I lay there and held my breath. No, that was wrong, I decided. I had to make out that I was asleep. I let the air out of my lugs, and then took it slow and smooth and regular. Soon I heard her moving. The bed creaked as she turned over. Then it bounced up and down. I felt her squirming her way down to the foot, and then there was a jounce of the mattress, and then the bed didn't move anymore. She was on her feet now, on the floor. The high heels of her mules scraped against the bare wood as she pushed her feet into them. She came around to my side of the bed and stared at me. I could feel her eyes on my face and the smell of whiskey on her breath, then she backed away. I opened my right eye, the one nearest the pillow, just enough to see her through my lashes. She was moving over to the chair where I'd hung my jacket. Keeping her eyes on me all the time, she slipped her hand into the breast pocket of the coat and pulled out my wallet. She took it over to where the street light slashed into the room from a slit in the curtains. She turned over the little celluloid card compartments one by one and looked at my draft card, my driver's license, my membership card in the turf club. Her head came up and she stared at me for a long time. Her face was in shadow, away from the light, and I couldn't tell what was on it. But from the way she held her body rigid, I could see that she was startled. Then she put the wallet back in the pocket and walked aimlessly around the room. She seemed to be trying to make up her mind about something. At once, she stopped dead and looked at me for a long minute. But then she shook her head and took up her wavering, wandering again. The room was dead quiet, except for a floorboard which now and then squeaked protests against her step. Once she went to the dressing table, her back was toward me. So I didn't know what she was doing for the moment that she was leaning over the table. But then she turned around and started walking deliberately, slowly, toward me. Everything inside me froze. I wanted to shout, but I couldn't. She was coming straight at me with the cuticle cutter in her hand. She was holding it like a dagger. Wait. <laughs> Whoa. She... What? Muriel? She's holding that cuticle cutter walking Listen, towards him. I, how is she even lucid <sighs> enough to on? do any of this is my first question. It sounds like she had some pretty <laughs> severe head point. trauma. But then she wakes up. She's like, oh, <laughs> I'm so woozy. Better Wait. grab this cuticle cutter. Like, what does she think she's waking up from? Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing. Remember, she looked at his wallet, uh -huh. right? So she now knows who this is. She knows who this okay. is Phil Norris. Right. Phil Norris is in the news all the time as the guy who killed Right, so she his knows wife. his name. Oh, so, so she could just be getting revenge on behalf of her friend. Right. That's also true. Her friend was killed with. This is, this Poetic. Is, this is what could be happening here. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, she only remembered that Edna's newest beau mm -hmm. was named Norris. Right. And that he wasn't shit. Those were like two good facts mm -hmm. that she had. Right. And she held on to them. We'll be right back. Now I knew that she had heard me when I'd shouted that I knew the killer. In spite of her drunken stupor, she'd heard me. I'd been right. 
The glint in her eye hadn't been a trick played by the light against her eyeball. Now she was doing what I wanted her to do. She was writing her confession. But I had to see it all the way through. He needs to be actually murdered. Yeah, he needs to see this uh, all the way through. <laughs> the best proof would be that I was killed and then I, my ghost could go to the police. He keeps the one eye open the whole time. That's the perfect crime. Well, yeah, like, what can he do? Okay, like, what does he do? Let's say she is the killer. Let's let's say, let's say this is her big, this is her moment, her confession. She's going to get, not like he has a recording device. It's not like he has any proof. You know, so what, he's going to go to the police and be like, she tried to kill me. She's the real killer when, like, there's a bunch of evidence against him being the killer. Yeah. Like, as opposed to just hearsay. Yeah, also, usually the, usually the authorities don't trust any suspects that are brought in by the prime suspect. <laughs> right. At least, I don't know, from, like, the law and order I've seen. Right. But usually that's not seen as, like, you know, oh, maybe they're on the up and up. Maybe they really really are trying to help us find the real killer here. (laughs) Yes, this is so dumb. (laughs) If she went at me, if she tried to kill me, I'd know for sure. I'd have her signature on the dotted line. I lay there and waited, breathing low and regular, but everything inside me was coiled up tight, waiting for her move. Then, then I'd spring, and I hoped I'd be fast enough. She reached the bed and stood there looking down at me. Her arm swang loosely from the elbow, but her hand was clenched tight over the cutter handle. Do it, I wanted to shout, do it now. She bent down lower and lower and lower. I wasn't looking at her anymore. I didn't have to look to know that she was coming closer and closer. Even if I hadn't felt her breath on my cheek, I would have known it. At a time like that, A man hasn't any skin anymore, nothing to protect him against things that happen outside him. There's only a mass of raw nerve. Every part of you is a nerve, cut open, exposed, bleeding. Uh, I'm really glad that Phil is sharing his sixth grade poetry with us. Right, I was like, this this sounds like a hot, very hot topic of him. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I'm a nerve cut open, (laughs) exposed, bleeding. Throbbing and bleeding. I felt myself making a violent inner effort to keep from shaking. She was very low over me. I gathered myself for the spring. And then she straightened up and walked away. I heard the click of the light switch and a glare flooded through my lids. I heard the creaking of a chair as she sat down. I broke into a sweat that was both hot and cold. I didn't open my eyes, not yet. I didn't know how I managed it, but I lay there quiet not shaking. I was in the alley again. I'd miffed it for some reason. Maybe she had an angle I didn't see. I decided to try another way. I turned over with a groan that was more real than fake, and then sat up on the edge of the bed and buried my face in my hands. You up? She said dully. Yeah. I looked up at her, and even in the sudden glare, I could see that she wasn't back to normal yet. She was playing with the cuticle cutter, running it under her nails. 
You're Phil Norris, she said flatly. There was no resentment in her statement. No hatred, no surprise. It was just a statement. Yeah, I said. God, I feel awful, was all she said. There wasn't even fear in her voice. You hated Edna, I started. She looked up from her manicuring operations. Sure I hated her. I shoulda killed her. Didn't you? I shoulda. I shoulda stuck a knife into her. Muriel, we were rooting for you. Oh no. Listen. No, sh- Muriel hated Muriel was her. uh was kind of a queen until what? uh until we realized she's just, she, she's just another about? shitty person. This really is just like such plot woman rhetoric where like her yes. entire perspective on everything ships every single page just to make things more suspenseful instead of being like <laughs> what a consistent person I don't know right I, <laughs> yeah no, no that's a hundred percent they're just pouring her, her into whatever container they need <laughs> yeah it is really really funny to see uh it end like this after all of that awkward Waiting, like imagine just being yep. there, shivering and sweating, <laughs> pretending to be asleep. If you hated her so much, why did you go to her funeral? To spit on her grave, just to spit on her goddamn grave. You didn't spit on it, Muriel. You brought flowers. You brought flowers and you put them on her grave. The cuticle cutter fell from her hand and made a clatter on the floor. Her head lolled back against the chair. I feel lousy, she gasped. I jumped to my feet and picked up the cutter. You didn't need a knife, Muriel, I said. You had this. This is what you killed her with. I didn't kill her, she moaned. You did. You hated her. You went up to the house that night and you sliced her. You sliced her with this, with this cutter, with Edna's cutter. That's mine, she screamed. That's mine. That's not Edna's. She made a lunge for it but I pulled it out of her reach. Where's Edna's? I don't know, I don't know, but that's mine. Then where did you get this one? Her eyes went down to the floor, studying the worn pattern of the scatter rug. There were two of them, she said. We bought two of them, Edna and me. That's a long, long time ago, before we worked in the beauty parlor even. Edna was about 15, I guess. We saw these sets in a store, and we wanted them. More than anything else in the whole world, we wanted them. But we didn't have a dime. Then one day, Edna made me go with her to the store, and she pulled out a $10 bill. She bought them both. $3.98 each, they were. She stole the money out of her father's pocket. They were beautiful. The most beautiful things in the whole world. We hid them so nobody should find out. And we did each other's nails with them every day. I stirred restlessly. One day we cut our wrists with the cuticle things and held them together so the blood would mix. And we swore we'd share everything, all our lives. If one of us got something, we'd split it. She was going to get me a rich guy like the ones she had. But she never kept her promise. She never kept it. I grabbed the front of her robe and pulled her to her feet. That's why you killed her, I yelled. Her head dropped to my chest. I couldn't have killed her, she sobbed. It would have been like killing myself. I let her go. I believed her. 
I believed utterly everything she had told me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Does he Please try to kill women. them constantly? Sure, but we're willing to over. But he does believe them. But that's why they have to <laughs> die. <laughs> yeah he is also like for the same reason that he is a bad detective because he doesn't go on evidence he just goes on hunches he's also a bad detective because like whenever anybody tells him something he's just like i believe them so this has again happened multiple times just like somebody being like i didn't kill her and he's like yeah i believed her i believed him he probably didn't do it. He's just like, yeah, he's just he's a hunch-based individual. <laughs> so he goes back and forth between learning something about someone and then assuming they're automatically guilty and then also uh, just believing anyone's admission at, at any time. Yeah. Very good. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> just check in. It's a, it's, it's yeah. like a, a pinball game. It's like Phil, Phil is just like constantly bouncing between liar truth, liar yeah. truth, liar truth. <laughs> With shaky hands, she uprighted the overturned whiskey bottle and poured what was left into a glass. She raised it to her lips, but before she could down it, she started to choke and turn green. She heaved to her feet and staggered fast to the bathroom. From it, I heard the sound of retching. I followed her. She was kneeling on the bed, her face against the bathtub. She moved her head toward me weakly. Get out, please get out, she pleaded. If you wanted to know about Edna, why don't you see old man Martin? The speech seemed to exhaust her. Martin! The name hit me like a crack against the back of the neck. Martin! That was the old man at Jeremy Street. Martin! Oliver Martin! I went back into the other room, put on my jacket, took the last $10 bill out of my pocket, and put it on the dressing table. I went out of the house. And that is chapter 12 Holy. of Murder in the Glass Room. Holy. Makes you think. Anyway, what did we think of chapter 12 <laughs> of Murder in the Glass Room? I hope Muriel presses charges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be nice. I would hope so. But I have a feeling that she's got a strong no-snitching policy. <laughs> well, could, she could be like, I mean, I don't know if he's the murderer, but he did slap the shit out of me and bash my head into a wall. So there's irrefutable <laughs> evidence of that. <laughs> yeah, just general uh, crime. I, just, I hope that um, there's a twist towards the end and that uh, Edna starts to haunt him and it turns into Ooh, a ghost story. Ghost. Hi, I'm a ghost. I'm here to solve the mystery. Can you please stop wandering around assaulting people? <laughs> like, stop. <laughs> kind of like in... Uh, yeah, you minute. are embarrassing me. I'm now dead. I can't go back and explain to my friends <laughs> why my ex-husband came around looking gross and shaking them for information. Well, uh, thank you again for being here. Oh. And I, I think listeners will absolutely want to know uh, a lot more about where they can find more of your astute analysis. Um, you see through these characters very well, and it's something that you apply on another show that you do. 
tell everybody. About yeah, it. everyone listen to the Bechdel cast. That's the show that Caitlin and I co-host together. Uh, we and we use an intersectional lens to analyze popular movies uh, using the Bechdel cast as a jumping off point. And Bechdel new test. episodes come out. Did I say Bechdel cast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to pass out. Uh, I <laughs> Much like Muriel. <laughs> Um, uh, you can follow, so you can follow us at, uh, at Bechtelcast everywhere and new episodes are out on Thursday. And then, uh, I'm at Jamie Loftus help and I have a new podcast, uh, that just came out called Lolita podcast. That's an analysis of how out of context that story has been taken over the course of 65 years. And, uh, that's out now. Nice. And, uh, I have, uh, oh, I do um, an Instagram live show called Movie Talk with Caitlin. Uh, if you're interested in more narrative analysis in the uh, uh, of the cinematic variety. Um, and you can follow me there on Instagram and at Twitter uh, at Caitlin Durante. Thank you so much for joining us. You were incredible guests. It's always yeah. so much fun to hang out with you guys, oh, even yes. virtually. This was so much Thank fucking you. fun. And I feel like we really got to some like meaty stuff here. Oh. Like you really, this is this is some like foundational stuff. It's really going to help us get through these next few chapters. <laughs> Our pleasure. <laughs> Well, our guests have gone, but we're still here. Still are. We're going to be here until we finish this book. <laughs> Murder in the Glass Room by Edwin Rolf and Lester Fuller. The doors are locked. The next chapter, we meet Edna's father, and uh, he doesn't like Edna very much. Uh-oh. And it's very... Gross and weird and sad. Oh. So get ready for another exciting chapter from Murder in the Glass Room. Dirt Cheap is a Neon Hum podcast. It's hosted by me, Jeffrey Golden. And me, Amanda Meadows. Our producer is Carla Green. Associate producer is Chloe Chobel. The executive producer is Jonathan Hirsch. Editing by Vikram Patel. Original music by Chris Katinas. Additional tracks you hear on this episode are from Epidemic Sound. Our engineer and sound effects guy is Scott Somerville. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Dirt Cheap Pod and Instagram at Dirt Cheap Books. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next episode for another exciting chapter of Murder in the Glass Room. <laughs>